you're very different to who you are at 16 and then who you are at 20 and then at 25. And for me, I went through a massive spiritual growth at 29. I was so unsure about life and the decisions I was making. And then all these thoughts started to come in my mind as to like, why do I not love my husband anymore? And why don't I, why am I not growing in this relationship? Hello, and welcome to the Parenthood Pod. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every week I will bring you conversations that aim to smash the stigma on struggles we face as parents. This segment is The Vault, where we ask you, our community, what is keeping you up at night? Your messages remain anonymous, they stay in the vault. To submit your confession, click on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm joined today by Lisa Sarielden. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for having me. So great to have you on. So for those listening, Lisa is a mum of two. She is also the uh, a writer, the founder of Endless Possibilities Journal for Children, the author of a newly published self-development book, Love More, and a life coach supporting many individuals. I don't know how you do it all, Lisa, but kudos. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes I don't know how I do it all either, but I, I just do it. So yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's awesome. And look, based on your story and your expertise, I thought you would be perfect to bring on to help us sort of delve into um, this particular confession from the from our dad listener so what I'll do is I'll get straight into the confession my wife and I met young in our early 20s and now have two teenage kids we have drifted apart for I'd say the past five years I think we both acknowledge that the relationship is over but we're staying together for the kids culturally it's unacceptable to divorce part of me wonders if it's worth wasting time in a relationship which we both know is over I'm wondering if other parents have been in this position before It'd be good to get some perspective. Thanks. So, look, that, hence why, Lisa, you were one of the first pers- people that I thought to, to call upon. Tell our audience a little bit about your story and the synergies between that and the caller. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so, yeah, my story is I am yeah, a single mum of two. I have been separated for about uh, five years now, divorced for three of those, Um and yeah, my whole reason of not wanting to leave initially was for the kids. Like that was my main concern, and I didn't, um, I didn't want to do it because of that. That they were in the back of my mind. So um, yeah, single mum of two. Um, I get it. <laughs> I get why it's so challenging to leave. Um, but I suppose there's so much to think about. <laughs> you know, whether to stay or leave. And it, you do have to counter in the fact of your children, but I think you also need to think about what feels right and what means it, what does it mean to live in your truth. Um, so, yeah, being separated and doing it on my own for five years now has definitely come with challenges. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy and often people think it's the easy option to leave, but it definitely is not easy. Um, but I know that I'm living in my truth and that's what makes the situation easy uh, than, than staying in a marriage where you're, you're not essentially happy. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of background about me. Um, for our listener and listeners, 
I mean, we have to, there's so much in, in that that we need to think about. You know, it's not a, an easy decision and it's not something that can be based off um, or taken lightly, I should say. Um, there are a lot of people in this situation. So when, you know, start asks, are there a lot of people? Yes, most of my clients I find are in the exact same situation and, and they're like, well, it's, we can't do that, especially when it isn't acceptable and it's not um, seen as something that um, you kind of go for, you know. And, you, you know, a lot of people think, oh, um, I came into this marriage so I must stay in it and, you know, if if you can and if it feels right, then I say, like, go for it. But there's a lot more to it than just staying in a relationship for the children. Mm. How, were you afraid of the external opinions if you were going to, you know, in, in breaking up? Yeah, that was probably one of the hardest. That was one of the one of the things I did think about the most. Like, mm. what was everyone going to say? How were my kids going to handle it was the first thing. And then mm-hmm. how was everybody else in my life going to handle it? And I knew they wouldn't handle it well. And for a lot of people, they didn't. And so that was my fear around making the decision whether to stay or leave. And I stayed in that fearful state for a very long time because I was so worried about how the kids would handle it, how family would handle it, because they didn't see it coming. And I think even if people do see it coming, it still doesn't make it easier the fear is still there. It's it's that unknown um, that you don't really know what's going to happen. So it's like the opinions of others definitely have an impact on, on it had an impact on whether I was stayed or left. And after a while, I chose to to leave. You left when your children were quite young. How old were they? So uh, they were both uh, one three and one four. So how did you know that this wasn't just a bit of a phase of life which was going to be quite challenging? I mean, I've got mm-hmm. a three, a two and four-year-old mm-hmm. and it's not easy and it mm-hmm. hasn't been easy for four years and mm-hmm. certainly it's tested our relationship too. I'm just curious. I know everyone is it's different mm-hmm. and everyone has their certain boundaries and the things that they will be pushed towards before they say enough. But I was just mm. curious, you know, for those listening as well, how do you know it's not just a tough phase of life? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's very circumstantial. Mm. It's very dependent on people's relationships. I mean, I went into a marriage when I was very young. Like I had been with my partner from 16. I got married at 20 and then I had my first child at 25. And, um, you know, you're very different to who you are at 16 and then who you are at 20 and then at 25. And for me, I went through a massive spiritual growth at 29 and something happened where I just, I think I woke up. Like I, I kind of say it was my awakening. You know, I um, I did everything right. I, I, you know, got married and I had the house and I had a, an amazing and supportive partner um, and I was a school teacher as well. And I, I was doing all the things that, a, you know, a good girl does essentially. Mm. Um, and then at, at 29, I kind of just, I broke free and I thought, what, who am I? I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was so unsure about life and the decisions I was making. And then all these thoughts started to come in my mind as to like, why do I not love my husband anymore? And why don't I, why am I not growing in this relationship? And so I think there's a lot of questions that need to happen 
before a decision is made. And I did a lot of coaching myself. And now I ask my clients a lot of questions. I don't necessarily give them advice. I don't, people often say to me, just tell me whether to stay or leave. And I'll say to them, I can't make that decision for you. I'm sorry, I can't make that. But what I do do is I ask questions like, have you done everything to save your marriage? And um, are you willing to learn a little bit more about your partner's love language and for you to share your love language? And, you know, what's your why behind why you want to leave, you know? And mm. are you meeting your core needs of like significance and connection and certainty and variety? And, and are you being able to do that for your partner? And then also like, are you growing and contributing in this relationship? And are you helping their growth and contribution? So there's a lot of questions that need to happen. And I was fortunate enough to get that guidance and help when I was making my decision. I think a lot of people base a decision on the the now and they don't get external help. And they're like, well, I'm just leaving because I'm not happy. And I think there's a lot more that needs to go through that. It's really good to like navigate this process with somebody Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a hard decision to just say, is it now or temporary? And that's why I think mm-hmm. you need you need some external help, not so much from family or friends, I would say from yeah. like a coach or a counsellor, just to ask those questions to get you thinking about, is it just now or is it has this been actually going on for so long that everything's just been suppressed? Yes, I hear you. That's such good advice. Curious, did you or do you encourage others to do uh, couples therapy as well, as well as working on themselves? Yeah, yeah. I did couples therapy. I then Mm. did my own therapy during my process because I was Mm. so terrified to make the decision. And so I tried the couples. I also know, I also knew that there was a lot going on internally within me that I needed to heal like my Mm -hmm. inner child, there was a lot of like anxiety and stress related um, things going inside that I knew I had to heal. So I loved that I did my own healing and then had couples counseling. Um, So I do recommend, I always recommend to healing first though. I think if, I think almost everyone needs some type of healing, you know, and you're never really there. Even now I still see my coach and I I still, I still do a lot of healing myself. So I think if when people do their own type of healing and then they can do couples, if that's something they choose to do, there's a lot of understanding, shared understanding that goes on in couples counselling because there's there's an external person asking questions and allowing time for each person to talk. Mm. Sometimes you don't even get a chance to say what you want to say to your partner because you're mm. you're fearful of hurting their feelings or you can't even get a word in because you know they're on a rage. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I need to let that person talk, but then you kind of suppress your emotions. Yeah. Or and you're mindful of it, particularly if you've got children, like our audience do um, yeah. predominantly, yeah. you know, you're mindful of the dynamics and how uh, of the household and how yeah. long you're going to drag out an argument and what your kids are going to be privy to. And I know in my household, it's tough to get a few words in when the kids are around because everyone yeah. always needs you and you're getting pulled away and, yes. you know, it's really difficult. So, yeah. I mean, I've actually um, done... We did about three sessions of couples counselling after my first child. So, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that we were in, you know, dire straits or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but I think there was such a build-up of resentment Mm. from my perspective because I was like, well, hold on, Mm. I've got this whole other life outside the baby too. I love my child, don't get me wrong, but just naturally your life, my husband's life was kicking on and Mm. I was feeling the brunt of having to juggle it all. And I think, I mean, I speak to so many couples through the podcast Mm. and this is probably the number one resentment 
resentment and it doesn't necessarily have to be male, female, uh, you know, the men go off to work. It can be vice versa or for same-sex couples. Just regardless of your relationship dynamic, there's always one person who will do more with the children and some are happy to do that and others are resentful and I felt I wasn't getting recognition in my role in doing more. And all it took was to actually voice that with a third party and, you know, me to hear his side of the story too. Yes. And then, you know, we're a lot more mindful of each other's needs. So I guess also to those out there who might not be at this point, like this particular caller is, who's like, mate, we're out of here, I'm over it. But, you know, it's more like these little niggling things are coming up for them like it was for me. I would very much encourage people to similarly, you know, seek out an expert to to support you. Yeah, and I always encourage them. I'm like, don't just come to me when you are at breaking point or when you have made a decision like I grateful to have those clients but I'm always I always say to a lot of my audience mm. come before that like we don't want you to get to breaking point people are like oh yes you, know, you advocate divorces I don't advocate divorce yeah. I advocate yeah. happiness and living yeah. from within and being at peace but also understanding that other person listening finding out what the actual problem is because often when there is an argument that's never the real issue there's so much underlining and it is that resentment or that I'm not being appreciated or not that I'm not mm-hmm. being heard or I feel like I'm doing so much there's so much pressure on me as a parent that the the resentment develops and then the pain develops but you know if you just give me a bit of self-care like if you just give me some time to do self-care or if you just say thank you or hug and kiss me when you walk through Mm -hmm. the door or just take the kids for 10 minutes so many problems can be resolved Uh. and and it's incredible when you work with people but it's also just Mm. creating that awareness in Mm. people and that's what I love to do I don't tell people what to do I create an awareness in them and then they can make decisions based on that awareness Oh, 100%. I love that. And even to this particular dad who's called in, I mean, Mm. it does seem as though he has come to some sort of conclusion in his relationship that perhaps it is over and perhaps they are just staying for the kids. But I mean, I'd encourage him if he hasn't already to to perhaps, you know, um, keep in mind these sort of things that we're saying, because I think, you know, it's not over till it's over. And so I guess, you know, appreciate and totally respect if it is over, but if you're kind of sitting there going, I'm pretty sure it is, but you know, there are so many other things that can be out there that can support you through this really difficult time. Yeah. And I think that's a really valid point. You really need to be a hundred percent certain of this. And they say that most of the time that especially the female, there's something about when females make the decision to leave, they're they're 100% certain. And, you know, there are a lot of males that are like that as well. Mm. But because we are very much overthinkers, we've thought about this process so much that Mm -hmm. it's usually quite certain. But you really want to be 100% certain before you make that decision, whether to stay or leave. So, you know, getting that um, external help and finding out about who you are as a person. Like I really encourage people to seek counselling or coaching before any decisions are made just so they find out who they are and what their learning styles are like. Like it could just be as simple as we have so much different learning styles. You know, some people are very kinesthetic. They base their feelings off, they base their decisions off feelings. And then other people are very auditory digital. And so they need, you know, logic and they need instructions and they need a lot of language. So finding out how you learn and your partner learns, Mm. it could just be as simple as that. And then communicating that to that person would change the whole dynamic of things. Mm. And then that could help, you know, with the kids as well. 
So yes, being a hundred percent certain is is what I encourage before any decision is made. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about once you'd made that decision to leave. Mm. How did you? What was the next steps in getting your kids across all of that? I mean, I guess three and four. I'm thinking about my little ones. Yeah. You know, I'm saying to them, "Mum and Dad, Dad's not going to live here, or Mum's not going to live here anymore." They'd probably be like, "Why?" But not really need yeah. a really comprehensive response. So, how did you go about yeah. it? Yeah, it, it was that was probably one of the most challenging things, like telling mm. family that I mm. was choosing to leave when they were looking for, um, I suppose, a reason, like a tangible mm. reason um, was one thing. And then for my kids, that was also very challenging because they were very young and I had to find age-appropriate language. Um, so I suppose them being a little bit younger, I, I had that favour on my side. You know, when you're moving into, you know, under 10s or or teens, it's very different dynamics. It's very different language. So I would just, what I did was was be as um, open as I could be and use language that they understood. I just said that mummy and daddy are not living together anymore. We're going to be living in, in with mummy on these days and you'll be with daddy on these days. And it's not um, that we don't love you. We We just no longer love each other enough to stay in the marriage. And there was a lot of confusion because they were mm. so young. Um, but I find that I found that as they got older and even now they're now seven and eight, mm. they will ask me still and they'll still try and understand it because they can't completely comprehend it. Mm. But because I am a kinesthetic learner and I base everything, all my decisions off feelings and so are both my kids. It's We use language like it just feels right for mummy to be on her own. And this is how I this is what makes my soul happy and this is what makes my heart happy and this is how I needed to grow and to learn and this feels mm-hmm. right. So I feel like because I'm always using that language and I'm always talking about it, mm-hmm. there is some level of understanding there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, depending on some children need a lot of explanation and they need to know what's happening. These are the days that we're with mum. These are the days that we're dad. Why did you do this? is why I did it. So it depends very much on the child and on and the age of the child. You really need to know your child and, and be very prepared for what you are going to say mm. when you're going into this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing you mentioned there was quite interesting and probably quite relatable to a lot of people's experience. What if there's not just one big tangible thing Mm. that I can say to the family, oh, well, call it, he, I found out he's having an affair and he's running away with it. Like that's tangible. Yeah. Oh, right. But when it's just kind of like, oh, like it just, things aren't sitting right. I feel like I'm growing, we're growing in different directions. People would be like, I'm sure the pushback would be, well, mate, like you'll be fine. Give it another six six months, 12 months. By next year, you'll be growing in the same direction. Why would you blow your whole family up? because of your growth, you yes. know, like I, I'm just yes. thinking of like, I come from an um, ethnic background. So like yes. my mum's Greek and yes. um, my dad's Nigerian. Both cultures are very big on you stay. Yes. You, you fight tooth and nail. Yes. You suffer through that marriage. <laughs> Until you, you die. Too bad. <laughs> yes. So, you know, that's what my Greek, my Greek relatives would be like, whatever. Like you grew, yeah. you grew in different directions. Suck it up, mate. Your yeah. kids are the most important things ever. So how, when it's not tangible and obvious to people as to why you you split like I'm curious from how did you approach that with your external family this was the this was so challenging because that Mm. was exactly me 
yeah. it was so well he doesn't do anything wrong he doesn't hit he doesn't you know he's so nice mm. and he's so good to you yeah. what is wrong with yeah. you and you yeah. can't just do that like what about your kids and like mm-hmm. people so needed something mm-hmm. to hold on to to understand it and for so long I didn't understand why I was feeling this way and there was so much guilt and so much pain and so much um grief I suppose for the first you know six to seven months where I dealt with that on my own I didn't share that with anyone like I felt for me it was very important to make the decision on my own the only person I spoke to was my cousin and, and a counsellor because I felt as though I didn't want the external well to make my decision because I didn't want there to be any resentment or confusion and so I was very confused as to oh but you know there's nothing really wrong for, mm. to say um mm. and you know I also come from a Lebanese background where it's like you don't leave like <laughs> even if you're not happy you know no one's happy you just yeah. stay and you just deal with it and I thought to myself but I want to be happy like I'm choosing to be happy and I also want to model to my kids, what happiness is, what love is, what a healthy relationship, what positive energy is in a house. Like I want them to have that. And how can I expect them to have that if I don't model that? And so for me to be able to explain it to the outside world was very challenging. And I just kept mm-hmm. saying, the, I, I need to leave because it, I don't feel like I can grow in this relationship. And I, I know in my heart, I have done everything and anything to save my marriage. I know the wife I was, I know the person I was, you may never understand that. And that's also okay. I stopped mm-hmm. trying to make people understand about my decision because I, you know, matter how much explaining they would never understand because they're not in my situation. Like I can never understand somebody else. This is why I'll never judge another person because I, I'm not in their situation. So I just said, I know this feels right for me. But people found that very hard. And I would say even till now, five years later, people still find it very hard and they cannot comprehend it because it's not tangible. Mm. And so I just say this is this is how I am and this is what felt right. But I feel as though the transition, that there is a shift. People start to see that you grow and you shine and you're helping, you're using your pain for purpose and they can see that I'm doing that. And they're like, oh, she's she's doing really well for herself. Like she's turned her pain into purpose and she's now helping other women and men speak in their truth and find out who they are because we're not taught to do that as, as young people. It's like you're told what to say, what to do, how to be, be, mm-hmm. be good. That's all. Just be good. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I know growing up for me, it was like, you know, always err on this, the side of um, certainty. So yes. you get good marks so you can get into a good school so yes. you can do go to good uni and then you get a good job so you yeah. can bring in good money to, you know, and it's just like follow that. It's yeah, not just really be like, good. you know, just, just be good, you know, follow the safe path, marry the safe person, you yes. know, or whatever. And so yeah. you're right. There's never, well, I mean, I guess I haven't experienced that whole, but what would you like? What feels right yeah. to you, Leo? You know, yes. I had to learn that as well. And I probably learned that at around 28, 29. They call it like the lunar or what is it? Yes. It's um, the Saturn return or something like that. A majority of people will go through a huge growth between 28 to 32, 33. And um, a lot of couples do grow together Mm. in that time. Mm. And they're the couples you see that kind of excel and can break through that, especially if they've been together from very early ages. But what we find is that 
most you'll have one person that grows and one person mm. who's very content and very happy and just very placid and that this is enough for them. Yeah, but, And this is where the battle comes. It's like, but I want so much more and I can be so much more, but I, I struggle to be that in this relationship. Yes. And then they're like, oh, well, I can't leave. I'm selfish and I, I, mm. I can't do that to my children. But what you have to really ask yourself, and this was the one thing that really shifted and helped me with my decision was when my coach said to me, when, you're, when your daughter is older and she's, in, she's your age and if she was in this mm. situation, what would you say to her? And instantly I would say, I want you to be happy and I want you to do what feels right. And that helps. Well, she got goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. It's so true. Like, it is. Like, what would you want for your own child? So then yeah. what do you want for yourself? Exactly. And that helped me mm. face my decision where a lot of people, mm. we were so hard on ourselves and we don't allow ourselves to feel happy and what we want because we're so scared of the unknown, of what people yeah. say, of cultural yeah. differences. Yeah. So it is a very frightening time. I don't downplay mm. it and I still remember the pain. But I also um, uh, I also asked myself, can I stay in this? And is this pain harder yeah. than me living a lie mm. yeah. for the rest of my life, essentially? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so true. So to this particular caller who's called in, mm-hmm. you are certainly not alone. Uh, hopefully we've normalised this. I mean, obviously, you know, and even to those listening who, as we said, might not be quite at this sort of level of, you know, um, dynamic in their relationship where they're really feeling like it might be the end of the road. Hopefully this conversation's just giving you a little bit more encouragement and motivation to, you know, reflect on yourself, reflect Mm -hmm. on your relationship and the way in which you're conducting yourself and think, you know, I feel like marriage is work, like Mm. a relationship, even if you're not bloody married, whatever it looks like, it is work. And the longer you're together, particularly when you add elements like children and things to the mix, the more you'll be tested, Mm. um, you know, and, and it is work but is it worth putting that work in and I think yeah. fundamentally this is where we've hopefully with you know Lisa's brought brought in some great tools for us to be really thinking about um you know if we are feeling a bit uneasy in our relationships Lisa any sort of final comments particularly to this dad caller um I would say get to know yourself find out who you are what you want get really clear on um, what is it that you want out of life? You know, in five years' time, what what do you want to be? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What does your life look like? So to hone in on like living from within instead of living from outside in. So get to know yourself more and, and ask yourself these questions. Is what I'm doing healthy for myself, for my partner, for my children? Am I living in my truth? They're really powerful questions. And to figure that out, you know, you can use things like meditation and even simply just um, going into a quiet space, having a bath and just asking your unconscious mind, is, does this feel right? Is this right for me? Who, what do I want? You know, and they're how, that's they're the way in which you're going to get your answers from the inside out. Mm, yeah, I love that. Tell us more about how we can find out more about you and your work. 
Yeah, so I'm on Instagram um, at lisa.sarryolden and I've also got my website up, um, lfwlifecoaching.com. And so all my programs um, and all my work is there. I'll pop those details in the episode notes. I just want to know, final note, tell us a bit about your book. Uh, It's called Love More. I actually have it right here. Um, So it's on um, the lessons of self-love and love for others and what it does essentially, it creates so much awareness in your life about your thoughts and how your thoughts impact your feelings and then how your feelings impact your actions. So what we want to do is create awareness around what is it that you're thinking and why are you thinking these things because that's going to affect how you feel. And if you're feeling pretty crappy, then you're going to act in that way. But if you change your thinking and you change the perception of your situation, you can then feel a lot happier and lighter, which means then you're going to be a lot nicer to people. So the Mm -hmm. book is really about creating awareness in your life and a lot of self-love activities in how to just look after yourself and your own well-being so then you can look after the ones you care about. Yeah, I love that. I love how you've turned your pain into purpose. It sounds like a fantastic tool for those listening as well. So look, I'll jot your details down in the episode notes so that people can find you and your book and all of the fantastic work that you're doing. Thank you so much again, Lisa, for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and share it with your friends. Want to contribute to the conversation? Hit us up on Instagram at Parenthood Pod and join our Facebook group. Until next time. Thanks for listening. The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wurundjeri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging.